Thank you for joining us today. If you're new to The Rock, we would love to connect with you, and you can text Rock of KC to 816-307-1611 for a Connect card, and a member of our team will be in touch with you shortly. If you'd like to partner with us financially, you can give safely and securely through our app and on our website at rockofkc.com. Your generous giving through The Rock supports many ministries here locally and globally. We hope you enjoy this week's message. Good morning, church. Welcome to the building. Welcome online community. Uh, just for the record, I plan on being here for all five services on Sunday, so just sign me up. All right, all right this coming weekend, Friday night, two Saturday night, two Sunday services. Uh, celebrate Easter and uh, just get me signed up. Someone go ahead and do the QR code and put in Philip O'Reilly. Susan, you plan on being here for all five? Maybe four? Okay, all right. So. Anyway, no, it does, it does help. It does help us kind of, you know, plan for enough seats and things like that. So, because it's good. Do you all appreciate our worship team? Yeah, I know. I do too. I, I appreciate the choir. You are the choir. They're leading us. We're the choir. Amen. God is so good. All right. Well. Y'all ready to get into the Word? You, you can tell I'm thinking of some things here, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to just jump right in to the Word. You ready for the Word to get into you? All right. Are you ready for it to get into your business? Get all up in your business. Yeah, we do. We need the Word to get into our business so that we get changed and transformed, get renewed in our mind, and by doing so, we prove what the good and perfect and acceptable will of God is. That's why it's so important to let the Word of God richly dwell in us, the peace of God, the Word of God. Otherwise, then we're left up to our feelings to dictate everything in all truth, which is a disaster, as we're seeing in the earth. Let's pray. Father God in heaven, thank you so much for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. We thank you, God, for the truth that if we draw near to you, you draw near to us. We thank you, God, that we can enter your gates with thanksgiving and your courts with praise. We thank you that you dwell in the midst of your people and you dwell and tabernacle in the midst of the praises of your people. And we thank you that your nearness is our good. We thank you that your word is alive and active, that it's a living word. And we pray for that word, Lord, come to wash us, renew us, to fill us, and that we'll mix this word with faith. And we'll mix it, God, with action so that it bears fruit in our life. That you get the honor and glory for the fruit of the word that you send to us. And that it abides in us and we abide in it. And that fruit remains and we so prove to be your disciples and glorify you in heaven. We thank you for it that grace in Jesus name and all God's people in agreement said amen Ecclesiastes 4:12 a person standing alone can be attacked and defeated but two can stand back to back and conquer three are even better for a triple braided cord or a three-stranded cord is not easily torn apart how many of you know that uh, God is the 
God of science. He's the God of, God's the God of all truth, all truth that's in the earth, all discoveries that we, define, we find and discover about the earth and, and things. God puts that in the heart of man to discover these things. We, we invent stuff, but really we just discover stuff that God's hidden in the earth. I love that. He allows us to be co-creators in that sense. When we invent something, we're just really a co-creator of what God's put in our minds to discover. I, I love science and I love robotics. And I, I just, when I hear about some of these things and the way they've come up with them, it's just, I'm fascinated by, it. wow, God, you let man discover this. It's amazing. Uh, and the, the, the breakthroughs that are coming and happening, it's all because of God. And he says that a three-stranded or three-braided cord is not easily torn apart. And so God's using physics. <laughs> He's using the power of, of multiplication and not just addition. You know, and this is what he's talking about. And we understand that if you take some tensile in you and you pull it once and it'll break at a certain pounds per square inch or whatever. And then, but if you'll take two and do it together, it don't, it doesn't just double that capacity, but it, it, it begins to multiply it. And then of course a three stranded. And that's why God says it's not easily torn apart. And I want to talk today about the power of three, the power of three, the power of the Trinity. So if you, if you were to journey through the Bible, you would see that in the scripture there are some patterns. And I look for patterns in the scriptures. I look for principles and where, where it's clear, where the word of God is very clear, then we have to be very clear. And then when there's things that aren't clear, then we let what's clear shine the light on what's not clear. Are you with me? So that we're not like, well, we just don't know. Yeah, we do know. There are, there's truth that shines on things that may be a little obscure, and then we can, from there, we can deduct some principles and patterns. And so there are numbers in the Bible that, that, are, that are principles and patterns. They often repeat throughout the Old and the New Testament, uh, whether directly or sometimes as a coefficient. Some of these numbers include seven, uh, some in Include 12 and 40 is another one. There's 40, 40 is a number for testing in scripture. They were 40 years in the wilderness. Jesus went into the uh, time of prayer and fasting, being tested of the enemy for 40 days. And, and we learn about these numbers uh, and see these patterns. Uh, but a number, another number is the number three. And it's small, but it's very powerful. Well, so let me qualify some things. While some people look to the repeated numbers in the Bible and try to decipher secret codes, I'm not here to give you a formula today. I'm not here to give you a secret code today. I'm just here to bring some awareness to how God uses the number three and how important it is in Scripture and how important it can be to our life. Uh, I'm not looking for a hidden message uh, I did wake up at 3.27 this morning. I was hoping it would be 3.33. I, I did. 
And then I thought, well, maybe I'll go back to sleep and then wake right up at 3. No, no, it's all right. So at 327, it just confirmed to me that um, my very first car was the right one that I purchased, which was a 67 Rally Sport Camaro with a 327 two-speed power glide that after we put headers on it and tuned it up a little bit, that I could chirp the wheels going from first to second. I got that much horsepower out of it. So uh, anyway, uh, that, was, that was the thought after 333 didn't come because if 333 came, then I was like, yes, Spirit of God's moving, anointed message today, confirmed by the alarm clock, and I woke up without it going off. And, and then Jeremiah 333 came to mind. Do you all know that one? Call to me and I will answer and I will show you things that you know not. So, see, so you get the word hidden in your heart. These numbers can start speaking to you. All right. He's like, ooh, you are going somewhere, aren't you, with this thing? But it was 327 this morning. So, it's a good engine, by the way. Small block Chevy. All right. Pretty reliable. All right. Moving right along. <laughs> So God's word is straightforward. I just want to get to the point. God's word is straightforward. There is no codex to these numbers. They are numbers God chooses to use to communicate to his people. The number three tells us about him. It is a holy number that relates to harmony and new life as well as the triune nature of God. So a few key examples from, from this number three in scripture, but it's not limited to all the places, but the three persons of God, the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. God, Noah had three sons. There were three fathers of Israel, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, all right? The Ark of the Covenant had three objects, gold, jar of manna, Aaron's budded staff, the tablets with the commandments. Daniel prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night. That was his pattern. He prayed three times a day. Jonah was in the belly of the great fish for three days. And, of course, we understand that these patterns are, are many times and oftentimes pointing to the truth of God and the nature of God and also pointing to Jesus because Jesus was three nights in the belly of the earth. And just like Jonah was resurrected out of that belly of that fish, so Jesus was resurrected from the grave. According to the law, the men had to present themselves at the temple three times a year in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the Feast of Weeks, and the Feast of Tabernacles. That doesn't give any of you men excuse to only show up three times a year. <laughs> Satan tempted Jesus three times in the wilderness. If you go back and look at his wilderness temptation, he used, if you are the Son of God, if you will worship me, if you are the son of God. The enemy's always trying to get you to question your identity or he's trying to get you to buy into what he's selling. And Jesus wasn't buying it. He answered him with the word, it is written. And that's why it's so important that we get the word written upon the tablet of our heart because out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. Did you just hear that? That's the words of Jesus. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. That's why it's important to get the word written on your heart so that when you're squeezed, the mouth that speaks isn't your, your fear, isn't your intimidation, your insecurity, it isn't your retaliation, but it's the word of God. It comes out because that's what will cause the enemy to flee. 
Peter denied Jesus three times. Jesus was in the grave three days. It directly relates to the nature of God, the number three, Revelation 1-4. John, to the seven churches in the province of Asia, grace and peace to you from him. Now look at these three things. Grace and peace to you from him who is and what? And who was and what? And who is to come and from the seven spirits from the throne. Now, you asked me about the seven spirits from the throne. I don't know. Go ask John what he saw. Uh, we could probably go into that, but not today. That's not for today. I don't know what. I don't know about you, but I believe in the one who, who was. I believe in the one who is. And I believe in the one who is to come. So I got all my bases covered. I got my past covered, I've got my present right now covered, and I've got the future that I'm not, I don't know about covered. Because the one who is, the one who was, who is, and the one who is to come is in me and I'm in him. When John baptized Jesus, the Trinity was manifested on earth. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming to rest on him, Jesus, and behold, a voice from heaven said, This is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased. Matthew 3, 16. We have the triune God manifesting himself right there as a witness to mankind, to you and I today. Jesus affirmed the triune nature of God in the Great Commission in Matthew 28. Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in what? In the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. You see, sometimes three comes as a test of our resolve. In the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus prayed three times, submitting to the will of the Father each time. It was a, it was a test of his resolve. Peter denied Jesus three times the night of his, his trial. It's, how many of you know, they say, oh, the tests come in threes. Lately, mine have come in like four and fives. <laughs> but Peter asked, or Jesus asked Peter three times, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? He said, yes, Lord, I love you. And he said, feed my sheep. And then he asked him again. Well, yes, of course I love you. He's getting frustrated. Like, you're not understanding. He's like, Peter, do you love me? Then feed my sheep. He'll do that to emphasize. To, to emphasize something that you, that's important to him and should be important to us. The number three can represent the supreme reflection in our worship. The supreme reflection in our worship. Isaiah chapter 6, and one called to another and said, holy, holy, holy. These are these seraphim, which are like angels, I guess. They're amazing creatures. I've, I can only imagine what they were like with the vision that Isaiah saw. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Do you know that of all the attributes of God that Holy, holy, holy is the only attribute that's repeated three times. Now think about that. We know God is love, but nowhere in the Bible does it say love, love, love. God, love, 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 love. No, we don't, we don't 
talk that way, but we do say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's the extreme, the extreme expression of worship, the supreme expression of worship. God's holy. Of all, I mean, yes, he's lovely, and yes, he's kind, and yes, he's majestic, and he's awesome. But of all the adjectives that we could put together, we, throughout the Bible, we see holy, holy, holy. And then when that happens, when that revelation takes place, something happens. And here the foundations of the threshold shook at the voice of him who called, and the house was filled with smoke. And I said, woe is for me, for I am lost. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Then one of the seraphim flew to me, having in his hand a burning coal that had taken with his tongs from the altar. And he touched my mouth and said, Behold, this has touched your lips. Your guilt is taken away and your sin atoned for. That's what happens when real worship takes place. I mean, when we experience the holiness of God and we're in the, we, we experience the holiness of God and we understand we're lost apart from him and we need something outside of ourselves to cleanse us because we are a people of unclean lips. You say, oh, pastor, I, you know, I, I'm a good girl. I'm a good boy. I don't say bad words. I'm not talking about bad words. I'm talking about the, the words of your heart. The, the uncleanness that comes in with jealousy and unforgiveness and hatred and prejudice. Come on now. And doubt and unbelief, which are all, all enemies of, of God, all enemies of the gospel, all enemies of faith. They are. And so we may never smoke a cigarette, but I'm telling you, some of your attitudes smell worse. Seriously. There are people who brag about, oh, I've never touched alcohol. I've never been drunk a day in my life. I've never smoked a cigarette. Oh, I can't stand cigars and on and on like they're, like they're something. And yet they are hateful. They're mean. They're jealous. Do you don't think that's a smell? Do you not, do you not think that gives off an incense to the throne of heaven? It sure does. Well, pastor, are you, are you saying it's okay to smoke? Well, you know, I'd lot rather have you smoke than to have the attitude that you have. But I don't think either one are good for you. And I would recommend that you don't. I get rid of both. Uh-oh, some of you are just like, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm leaving this. I'm not going back. That pastor said it's okay to smoke. I'm just going to go here for a minute. <laughs> I, I know people who have had these attitudes. They've had them. God-fearing, spirit-filled, tongue-talking Christians, and they got off into an affair. They wouldn't listen to secular music, condemn people who did, Condemn people who would go to certain shows, you know, PJ, secular, secular. Do you drive a secular car or a Christian car? 
you don't have a fish symbol on your car, so it's not a sacred car, is it? I mean, think about this stuff. And then they go off and have an affair. I said, you know, you probably should have had a drink now and then. It chilled you out. <laughs> Maybe if you had put on a song like Slow Dancing with your wife, you wouldn't have to go out and dance with someone else's wife. Oh, come on now. Can I go there? <laughs> Babe, we need to do that. <laughs> Slow dancing, swaying to the music. I'm constantly trying. I said, honey, if I, if I told you you had a beautiful body, would you hold it against me? <laughs> Try it, guys. Doesn't work for me, but maybe it'll work for you. <laughs> Yeah, holy, holy, holy. <laughs> sure. <laughs> I don't know how to get back. <laughs> we encounter the holiness of God. Humility comes into our life. We realize how unclean we are. Not everyone else. That I'm the one that's lost. I'm the one in need of God. And Isaiah encountered the holiness of God. Revelation 4.8 repeats this in the four living creatures. Each of them with six wings are full of eyes all around and within. And day and night they never cease to say holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Wow, right into his presence. You see, the root word for holy is Hebrew is kadash and hagios in Greek, which means to set apart, sacred or sanctified. God's holiness includes his two essential qualities, which are absolute transcendence and infinite purity. So, see, what we're acknowledging, God, you're transcendent. I need something from outside of myself to save me. I can't save myself. I need something from outside of myself to fill me. So, God, fill me with you. Fill me with your holiness. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. I need you. I need to be separated. I need that otherness that's outside of me to save me. Are you with me? And we're saying, holy, holy, holy God, you're, you're, you're different than any, anyone else and anything else. There's nothing that compares with you. You are holy. You are infinitely pure. And I need it. I need your infinite purity. Your infinite purity to continue to cleanse me. That's why only God can make you holy. Only God can do it. You're not going to do it on your own. When he says, be holy as I'm holy, you're like, I can't be. He goes, you're right. So let me be holy through you. It's not about your effort. It's about me. I, I, I'm, I'm trying to help some of you. I'm trying to help us all here. We're not ever going to be holy apart from him. You won't be holy apart from him. 
It won't happen. Holiness in three reveals the power of three when, sh when shaking occurs. Why we see this in scripture. Um, shaking's going to happen. You're shaking. You're going to get shaken. The, the kingdom of God's the only thing that won't get toppled over. And so in this world, you will have tribulations. You're going to have shakings. Everything will be shaken except the kingdom, Hebrews tells us. Only the kingdom can't be toppled over. So your life gets tested. Your faith gets tested. Shakings come. They occur. And what are you going to do when they come? And then you need anchors. You need some things that you go to. It happens in sports. It happens in a lot of life. When people lose their way, they go back to the things they know. I just... Um, so let me read the scripture here. Now we see but a dim reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part. Then I shall know fully, even as I am fully known. And now these three remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. You see the three there. You, you see these anchor points. Micah 6, 8. He has told you, O man, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you but to Act justly or do justly to love mercy and walk humbly with your God. You see these three anchor points here. When you lose your way, when confusion and chaos wants to creep in, what do you do? You, you've got to go back to the things that you do know. I was sharing last night how um, Greg Laurie, Greg Laurie, uh, if you've not seen the movie The Jesus Revolution, I would encourage you to see. It's a very encouraging um, I got saved in the late 70s, like that period of time. And so I cut my teeth on, on Chuck Gerard and Love Song. I didn't know there were Christian bands. And I, I literally had the album. That was back when 8-track tapes were, it was an album or 8-track tapes, okay, before cassettes even came off. Some of you are like looking at me. The young people are like, what? <laughs> What's an A-track tape? I don't know. I had one in my 71 Volkswagen Beetle. And the thing about 8-track tapes is you couldn't rewind them. You just, they kept, they're in a constant loop and there was no rewind. They're what? You can't rewind them? I said, yeah. And then when my grandkids with cassettes, you'd have to rewind. Like, what? They don't even know. Like, you know, they didn't know what CD is now. But when the tests come and the trials come, and in, in the movie, The Jesus Revolution, it's about Greg Laurie and his salvation. And Greg Laurie, several years ago, before Chuck, Pastor Chuck Smith had passed away, Greg Laurie's 26-year-old son was killed in a tragic car accident out in California where they lived. And Greg just recently shared that Pastor Chuck said to him, he said, during that time, he said, Greg, don't trade what you know for what you don't know. I know you're hurting. I know you're grieving. I know your heart's in terrible pain. But don't trade what you know for what you don't know. And here's what you know. You know that God will never leave you nor forsake you. And you know that you're going to be with your son longer in heaven than you're going to be on earth without him. You know these things, so don't trade them for what you don't know. Your pain's going to want you to trade it, but you can't trade it for what you know. I thought, wow, that's a good word. That's a, that's, a, that's a great word. And this is the word for us. Don't trade what you don't know 
for what you do know. Don't trade it. Don't trade the fact that God has shown you what to do. He's shown you to do the next right thing. He's shown you to love mercy and to walk humbly with God. He's shown you that love matters and faith matters and hope matters. And the greatest of those is love. So stay anchored there. Even though you're being tossed to and fro. Even though it, all hell might be breaking loose. Let me tell you, you need some points to anchor yourself to. First John says this, do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away, and the lust of it, but he who does the will of God abides forever. See, we need to know that when we're being tempted, there's probably one of those three areas that's, that this thing concerns. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes. The pride of life. Almost every temptation will fall into one of those categories. And so now you're not ignorant. Now you know. You go, okay, wait a minute. What am I, I'm, my flesh, oh, my flesh, okay, I know what to do there. I need to call somebody, pray for them, or I need to just crucify. Holy Spirit, come and crucify this. This is the flesh. This is of the, the flesh, and I'm not having, oh, that's of the world. That's of the world's wisdom and knowledge and what the world esteems. Uh-uh, nope, that's dead to me too. And the pride of life. Well, I want it so that, oh, the pride of life, the pride of life. What is that? There's a way that seems right to a man, but the ends of destruction, the pride of life. You think you know better. You think you know better than God. Pride can involve a lot, a lot of things. And we say, okay, God here, let the filter come. Help me to discern. And, and give me the grace now to, to crucify this stuff, to overcome it. Do I, do I face it and rebuke it or do I flee from it? You see, you got to know these things. And what, what's the word that I give? It's written. It's written. It's written. Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. It's written that thou shalt not covet. I don't care that they have a yacht. God bless them with their yacht. I don't have to have one to make me who I am. Come on now. I, I, well, uh, but they got a nicer car. Praise God that they got a nicer car. They got higher taxes too and more insurance. All right? <laughs> Praise God. Let them have it. I don't, I, that's, they're not me. It is written, godliness with contentment's great gain. Come on now. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to resist this temptation. I'm going to send it back to hell where it belongs because the word of God's written in my heart. We need, we need the power of three when building and leading. And you're building your life. You're building, leading your home. You're leading businesses. You're leading employers and employees. You're bringing influence to your world. You need wisdom. Here's Proverbs 4, 24, 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built. And through understanding it is established. And through knowledge, its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. How many of you need some wisdom? I do. I need wisdom for every area of my life. I need wisdom to know who to talk to, who know when to talk to them, and what to ask them. I need wisdom. And I need understanding. I need understanding of Scripture. I need understanding of human behavior. I need understanding of situations. I need understanding on who to, who to talk to and when to talk to them and why to talk to them. Are you with me? I need wisdom. I need understanding. And I need knowledge. 
so I got to stay constantly teachable. In a constant learning mode, but not learning. <laughs> There's a danger in constantly learning, but never coming to the knowledge of the truth. You know, well, I'm just going to learn a little bit more. I'm just going to take one more class. No, you need to walk out what you learned in the last class. You're not graduating to the next. That can be a trap. But I need wisdom. Now, you, want to, you want your house to be beautiful? You need wisdom. You need to understand. You need knowledge. You want your life to be beautiful? You pray for that. God, give me wisdom. Give me understanding and grant me knowledge. And not only natural, but supernatural. Do you know that you can't read all the books you need to read to get all the understanding you need to get to get all that? You can't. But God who created all that knowledge, can put you in the right place at the right time with the right people for the very thing you're going through if you'll seek his face and say, God, do that for my life. Do it for my life. And he will. The power of three in prayer. The power of three in prayer. And I love this prayer. And we're getting ready to land the plane because we're going to have an altar call. And we're going to give time for God to minister to us and for us to minister to God. You know it's a two-way street. It's a two, worship is to be ministered to, but also to minister to. The Bible says in Acts 13, they were gathered and they were, through prayer and fasting, they were ministering to God. What? I thought prayer was only just to get stuff from God. <laughs> no, no, it's to minister to God too. Minister to Him. But stand with me if you would, please. I know some of you are like, pastor's going to let us out 20 minutes early. <clears throat> that wouldn't be God. No. Listen to this. This is... Un I want you to hear this as a prayer over you from me. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. The word sanctify means set apart. It's where we get the word holy. God set apart. He's other. May God sanctify you wholly, completely. Not just part of you, all of you. Now, now, may God set every part of you aside for himself, Daniel. All of you, completely. Your mind, your heart, your spirit, your body, all of it. Your hands, your feet, your ears, your tongue. I mean, you need some peace in your soul. I mean, come on, yeah, I need God. I, I need peace in my soul, my mind. I get distracted. I get confused. Oh God, I need your shalom. I need your wholeness to come. I need it in my body. I need the wholeness of God in my body. May the God of peace sanctify you completely. Spirit, soul, and body. Look at this. And may your entire spirit, Daniel, may your entire soul 
And may your entire body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Do you all feel that right now? Do you sense that's God's heart for you? It is. It's his heart for every one of us. It's his heart for me. It's his heart for you. See the power of that right now. I'm not conjuring anything up. This is just the word. The living, active word of God right now. Saying, God, peace. Peace to your marriage. Peace to your children. Peace in your parenting. Peace over your business and over your employees, your contractors and your supply chain. Come on. Let God have it. Let him have it. Let him have it. Let him have your hurt and your pain, your unforgiveness. Come on. Let, like, let him have it. As we go back into worship, as we go back into worship, the answer to this sermon is yes, Lord. That's the, that's the answer. Yes, Lord. Let faith, hope, and love and abide in me. Let, let me do justly. Let me, let me love mercy. Some of you don't love mercy too much. You're just all justice-oriented. And some of you are no justice-oriented at all. You're all mercy. You're all mercy. I mean, you wouldn't bring any, you wouldn't let one criminal spend one ounce in jail because it's just all mercy. And that's, that, that, that's not good for them. Some, some of us are too haughty in our mind. We're not walking in humility. Our, our feelings are running rampant and our haughtiness and arrogance are running rampant. And we need the word. We need the word to come and cleanse us. And I, we're going to open these altars up. And us, if you come and just, God, I need your holiness. Not just in part of my life, but in every area of my life. I need your holiness, whatever it is, whatever the Holy Spirit's just, I'm encouraging you, don't let this time pass if you know you need to come. And I understand God can touch you right where you are. I get that. But I also know that there are some things that wouldn't have happened to me if I hadn't come forward throughout the years. I just encountered God on my knees at an altar. There's just something powerful about physically positioning yourself in worship to bow your knee, to open your heart and say, God, change me and I'll be changed. God, heal me and I'll be healed. God, make me responsive to you. Break the fear of man off of me. Break stubbornness off of me break willfulness off of me break shame and unforgiveness off of me sanctify me God spirit soul and body hallelujah so we begin to worship I encourage you just to respond. I encourage you to come forward. If you want to, you can sit, you can stand, you can turn right there and get on your knees before the Holy God at your chair. I don't, it doesn't matter. I'm not here to dictate 
how it has to happen. But I want to give space for you to minister to God, for God to minister to you. In Jesus' name, amen.